Welcome to another episode of the Classic Car Corner podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason Painter, along with Eric Benzel, and we are excited to welcome creative designer, senior illustrator, graphic designer, Mr. Joe Pepitone. Joe, welcome. Good evening from Wilmington, North Carolina. Well, we are certainly glad to have you, Joe, and I know we connected on uh, LinkedIn here, and it's been great to follow you and certainly appreciate your support of me during all this, too. So thank you so much in advance for that. A, a pleasure, a pleasure. Well, you have a fun history as it relates to creative car design, and I've seen your work. And I've uh, uh, So we have to start with how did this all start for you, please? Well, it was a dark and stormy night back in 1959. Okay. <laughs> <All right. laughs> but really, where it all starts, where it all starts is you're driving your mother crazy, and it's raining out, and it's the summer. And um, she gives me a shopping bag with a pencil and a crayon. Okay. And it's like, <laughs> go draw. And it caught on. And it's something that I've done all of my life. Uh, but that's that's how it started. Yep. Just like that. And, and so, and then, so for for the designs that you've published um in yes how how did you become involved with um or how did you get to the point where people could seek you or how did you go about uh, reaching out to them i guess would be another good question to ask you okay well the you know it's like networking is always key of course but uh the uh, i started my career going to night school for graphic design and that mm -hmm. was in 1973 okay and, you know, it's uh, you find employment of places that you would like to, to work at. And, I mean, I started from the bottom from putting together uh, supermarket flyers uh, for, you know, your neighboring town uh, to uh, graphic design studios, um, sold typography for one of the top five type shops in New York in the 80s, uh, met a ton of famous graphic design illustrators, uh, mm -hmm. designers. Um, then after that, I was uh, art director for Archie Comic Books for 20 years. Oh, so, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's one of these things where you learn at each job. And uh, design always came easy to me uh, because it was uh, while the client's talking, I'm putting ideas together in my head as to what they're looking for, if it's gotcha. their automobile mm -hmm. or uh, if it's uh, a logo design. And um, I've always had success with that. So that, you know. Right. But uh, but that's with a background of a, from a county college. And, uh, you know, it's like you learn as you go. Well, sure. and, and networking, yeah. you yeah. know, networking. Mm -hmm. So who who has commissioned you, uh, I guess, since we're on a car-related podcast? Sure. Uh, who's commissioned you to design um, some of the uh, ads that are seen that you've actually done? Who, who name, name some of these. You might. Have, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll, well, um, I have to thank, uh, and at that time he was editor-in-chief uh, over at Hemmings Classic Car, and that was uh, Richard Lentinello and uh mark mccourt and um to this day somebody sent my artwork to them and then i get a phone call from mark mccourt this is like 2008 and i, and I said mark i've already got a subscription to hemmings he says no he says we want to do your uh uh, a feature story. So you were thinking uh, they were soliciting, uh, getting, getting you to re up your, uh, subscription, yeah, but, my but, subscription. but instead, yes. okay, gotcha. Nice. You know, I mean, the names, nothing clicked, nothing clicked, you mm -hmm. know? So, uh, I mean, I was, I was thrilled beyond belief. And, uh, and because of that, uh, I appeared in the, uh, October issue of, uh, Hemmings classic car, 2009. And uh, you can find uh, PDF files on the internet on that. But um, so that got my start. But it's usually, you know, uh, people that want you to design something. It's either uh, 
the president of the company or like say with Richard Lentinello, he started up a, a magazine called Crankshare. Mm-hmm. And um, he goes, here's the photographs. He goes, I was thinking exactly, you know, draw it exactly the way you see it. And I go, okay, but do something nice. And as a designer, you know, your head starts thinking, well, we could do it this way, that way. And uh, with cover number five that we just completed with uh, Crankshaft, it's a 56 Lincoln Premier. And uh, what a what a beautiful car. I mean, this uh, you could say this car is as long as a country mile, you know, yep. <laughs> uh, retro retro design at its best. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking, OK, so I get I get this photograph of this beautiful car and um, the uh, uh, what are we going to do? Because it's like when you get the photo, it's usually with the owner's house in the background. So we're not going to put, be putting that in. Right. So I did a scene and the car is the best way I could describe it. It's a, it's a lavender colored. And I was surprised mm-hmm. with that mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I didn't think that was a color that was offered back in the day. Gotcha. Okay. You know? it's, I gotcha. So, uh, you know, it's like, okay, was this car painted? And, uh, you know, you asked the 10 questions and, uh, you know, it's like it's it's like an onion. It starts unfolding. Uh-huh. And that's that's what I love about illustrating the automobiles, because it's like every car has a story. You know, it's like uh, the year it was made that uh, who was in who was the president at the time? What was going on in the world? Right. So, yes. Yeah. You know, 56, you know, it's like, OK, I could see this car, palm trees. And uh, I put in a uh, Constellation airplane, and it mm-hmm. looks like the car is parked like it's at very early in the morning, you know. Mm-hmm. But but ideas always always came easy to me uh, as an illustrator and as a as a designer too. Well, I mean, so uh, and and this is fascinating because I you know don't know a whole lot about what you do but you know mm-hmm. when we had um, tom peters on our podcast uh, tom peters is the chief of design for general motors uh, for and uh, he designed the c6 c7 and c8 amongst other chevy models uh, but but we were honing down on on the corvette and just mm-hmm. as you mentioned uh with you how it started with uh, a paper bag and some crayons um yeah. he too uh started with you know uh paper and crayons and he started the i guess the rat rod uh, look and then one thing yep. led into another <laughs> and so um you know it takes a, a lot of attention to detail H- how long you know if you start a project joe how yes. long does it from start to finish what are what's the time frame um well i would say the shortest time frame is two weeks okay um so it's See, this is something that as a, as a visual guy, I see this, whereas you see other things on a car, you know. So with me, if you get a car that's like, say, a 1930 Packard, right? Okay, right. And these cars, uh, I call them doodads. They got more doodads than you can imagine. Right. Spoked wheels. And uh, so that that is a project where it takes more time because of all the doodads that are on the car, the grill, you know, the honeycomb grill, the mm-hmm. spokes on the car. Right. Uh, is the car showing four wheels? No, five wheels. You know, you could see all the wheels. So that means all those spokes have to be drawn in place so that you, gotcha. as an observer, see it. And they go, oh, that's a 1930 Packard with spoke <laughs> right. wheels. You see? But the thing is, you did it right, you know, and... That's that's the way I was trained. Do the job once I got the you. first time. You know what I mean? Work, work smart, not hard, in other words. Yes, yep, yes. Yep, yep. I, I guess it's part of part of the creative process when, when you're working on a project that they'll – get when, when as far as for a job, they say, hey, we, we want to put this – let's just say for a car, for example. We want to – do they – I guess the, from the input, you, you're going to come out with here's what the final is going to look like. And you're going to love it. But do they say, okay, let's see the front left corner and then whatever else you want to do, 
knock us out or are they saying here's a period that we want to go for or we want to kind of go like on a Packard is it the woody side where we're going to say it's got wood panels on it and we want to look more like we're at the beach or what what kind of inputs do they give or do you come out saying I I think I know where you want to go with this well it's you have to listen to your client as to what they envision mm-hmm. you know uh I want I want the car coming straight at you I want you to make it look like it's going fast. Now, this is something that's in print. Mm -hmm. So now you got to show movement, okay? And uh, it's like, well, how are we going to do that? I mean, it it gets really in-depth as to, so when an artist says, listen, it's going to cost you this much, you know, it's, they have to think, they got to do the mechanics in their head so Mm -hmm. that when they deliver this piece to you, you're like, wow, this is great you know and, and then the client will say oh hey could you add my son <laughs> uh bruce in with this you know <laughs> right. and and then you're like well that just uh, shot it in the butt you know? yeah, I got you. but the thing is you have to listen mm-hmm. to what the client wants now uh case in point uh crankshaft magazine number three we have a uh it's a 38 gram shark notes I mean, this is this is Art Deco right. on steroids, mm-hmm. right, you know, right. um, and you really uh, look that up. It's like here's here's a car that looks like it's moving fast, standing still. So what I do is I do research, and what really helps out is working twenty years in the comic book industry. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you know you have the Flash, you have right. Batman. How do they do movement? You know, do you mm-hmm. want to do it this way? You want to do it that way? So uh, I was looking at some uh, posts of uh, race cars. And I noticed in the background how the it's all like all different colors blurred. Mm-hmm. And you see the car standing still. And it's like, that's what I'm going to do. Gotcha. And I put that in the background. And uh, Mr. Lentinello loved it. And uh, it went to press. Outstanding. You know, so you always have to, yeah, you have to, it's like you're going to deliver an illustration or design, but it doesn't hurt to go do that one, give it 110%, mm-hmm. you know, add the extras that were never discussed. So you want to, you want to surprise the client in a positive way. And that, and that aspect of, of motion in there, it, it, it you drew me back to that old uh, cassette tape manufacturer that had the guy sitting in the chair being yes. blasted away by the speakers. The only oh, thing you right. can see in it yeah. is his hair yeah. flowing backwards. Uh-huh. And it's like and the lamp in, in front, in front of speakers. <laughs> right. But that, that, yeah. that visual and what, what you do is you create the, the motion without the motion, but you show the motion. Yes. Yeah. That's yes. Really cool. and, I mean, these the are all the extras. Effect. I mean, mm-hmm. there are, so many talented automotive illustrators. And when I see them post, it's to me, it's like I was raised old school parents, you know, give credit where credit's due, you know, and you give them a thumbs up or an applause. And it's like the, uh, the public does not realize the work that goes in to make an illustration. Just like if uh, I know uh, uh, women and men that restore cars, I could, I could never do that. I could never, you know, they know the tricks of the trade, you know, to make a good looking product, you know, and it's like, wow, you know, same thing again with automotive illustrators, painters, you know, and then, and then here's, this is something else that's, uh, uh, you get some publications where they, they want artwork and it's only oil or pastel, pastel colors. Right. Uh, or watercolors, um, digital. Now I'm a digital artist, you know, and, uh, it's no, we don't want digital artists, you know, but it's like, that's, that's the way, you know, there's a lot of people out there like, but yeah. Yeah. So, so, so as, as you become engaged with a project yes. and, and, just, and just thinking from a, 
uh, a mindset of okay, what do people like? What colors do people like to see? What what do you find that there are? Um, I, I mean, obviously tricks to this trade, but what what mm-hmm. colors that you're using? Like the one that uh, you posted on LinkedIn just last week, and I had asked you uh, what Toyota model was that. I mean, to oh, me, right. it, it, it grabs your attention. You've got so many different colors. You've got different cars at different angles. You've got um, I mean, it, it, it really is a, a very well done, thought out, creative copy that, whoa, let's check this out. What cars does he have incorporated into this? And so, you know, are, are, do they tell you what colors you use or, um, or do you say, I think I might make this car red, might make this car black or whatever? I mean, the client, the client will tell you okay. right. Um, right off the bat. You know, it's uh, the only thing I got is is this red this red car, but yeah. I you know uh, but I needed to have illustrator blue, so you set it up as blue. Okay. You know, yep. but the the great the great thing about uh, working as a digital artist now I I've been illustrating on Adobe Illustrator uh, for thirty years, mm-hmm. and um, so what I like about it is that I can zoom into an area up to 6400 percent and that's that's like your your human eye could not see it if you brought it up that close right so when you have something finished it's like wow that's that's a 1930 packard Uh (laughs) sure but with the colors it's when when you're doing this it's so you get your color palette of all the cars that are in the in the piece Mm -hmm. and then you got to put a, a background in and you want the cars to pop off the page. You don't want them to get lost. Right. Yes, exactly. And that's, so I got to work with colors in my head uh, that I've been doing for the past, uh, you know, 30 years. Mm-hmm. And what's, what's going to make this pop out? What's going to make this in the background, you know? And, um, you know, there's, there's times where it's like, uh, you're working on a piece, you call quits for the night, you come back the next morning and you look at it with fresh eyes. Right. And then you're back to adjusting things uh-huh. all over again. Gotcha. But these are the things that, so when an artist comes up and says, listen, I'm going to design a poster for you and you got uh, uh, five cars in there. And that's a lot of work on the palette mm-hmm. as to what, what has to be done, you know? And so when they give you that price, you know, you're like, wow, because you're, you're not used to something like that, you uh-huh. know. But now, do you have a team, Joe, that that works with me? You? Uh, yes, I have my uh, my uh, my wife, my wife Dawn, who is my support team, and my two children. So uh, I got you. Okay, <laughs> that's my team. The uh, well, you know, that's that's something where it's um, people people hire me because. They want my work, my mm-hmm. brain power to produce what they want. Mm-hmm. Yes, and yes, I could hire, I could hire someone that uh, they call them copycat artists, where uh, they can copy another person's style very easily. How they do it, so to me, it's a god-given gift. But that, mm-hmm. I'd rather not go that way. I got right. you, sure. And you I know? guess when when in doubt, just put PMS two eighty three in the background. Yeah, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you what else. Uh, well, what's going on in the industry right now is this AI, artificial intelligence, where you just you just type in a description, and you want it in, uh, you know, Norman Rockwell style, and it will do it for you. Wow! And uh, it's at the beginning stages, but I see this, and this is in in art and photography and writing, and I see it just destroying all creativity. Oh, it's it's all the different filters that they're coming up with. I, I would assume where you take a pic, uh, just take a picture of it and then a slap of uh, a filter on it. It's like, oh look, it looks like it's from nineteen twenty one. I was like, yeah, no, it's <laughs> yeah. my backyard. Yeah, well, yeah, but well, the thing is, is that it's uh, you're talking millions of of jobs that can be mm-hmm. lost. You know, well, but that's, that's a story right. for that's a story for another day. The um, now 
Now, here's an interesting uh, story for you. Are you ready? Sure. So when I was, um, when I had my own uh, radio show, it's called Every Car Has a Story with Joe Pep and Dusty. And I met the most interesting people. The uh, Tony Dow, you know who Tony oh, yeah, Dow is? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, leave it to Beaver. Yeah, exactly. He just passed away not too long ago. Yes. Yeah, yeah. right. And, uh, and that was, and I'll tell you, that all became possible. This uh, fellow out in the West Coast called Fireball Tim, very talented guy, very, very talented. And he introduced me. Uh, and uh, uh, just like when we talked a couple of weeks ago, uh, I would always call my guests and have a have a nice conversation with them. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm talking to Wally. Yeah, I'm right. Talking. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? No, that's awesome. Right. <laughs> right. And then, of course, uh, you know, this is something baby boomers will know. But this new generation that's out, they don't know about Leave it to Beaver. No. Maybe no. they do. Maybe they don't. You know? Well, it's one of the shows but, that doesn't fit into most of today's social constructs. So, uh yeah, I, I think they would they would say, "Hey, where's the spinoff s- series on Eddie?" <laughs> he seems yeah. he seems way more interesting because he's doing nothing but getting in trouble. <laughs> right. yeah. Oddly enough, the well, screwball became was, a police officer yeah. in his real life. Uh-huh. But later yeah, on, yeah, yeah. But he did. That's right. But uh, you know what? It, it was it was the culture. You know, mm-hmm. it was the most popular in your childhood. That was like the most popular. Uh, family show right. that you can remember watching as a kid and the run and the reruns, you know? Sure. Um, then I had uh, this one gentleman, uh, Norman James, uh, Norman James. He was, uh, when he first got out of college, uh, he worked for general motors under Harley Earl and he worked on all the firebird, uh, Pontiac series, all nice. the concept cars. So right? this would have been in what? 67, I guess. 55. 55. What year? 1955. 55? They were talking about Firebirds back in 55? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay, because the yep. first one came out in 67, am I correct? Yep. Uh, Firebird. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, same time as the Camaro. Yep. Right, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, Harley Harley Earl, I think you and I spoke of him when we were on the phone a couple of weeks ago. I mean, his, his, um, you know, fins, he's fantastic. Fantastic. There you go. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that. Yeah. That's, that, that's, that is really, really cool. That's right. Oh yeah. Now I'm going to, I'm going to make it even more cooler. Okay. okay? Sure. So, um, all you, all you, uh, baby boomers out there, raise your hands. Um, we all we followed the um, the space race, you know, the Mercury mm-hmm. rockets going up, uh, Gemini at the sure. beginning of Apollo. Yep. yep. Norman James worked with a creative team at NASA, and he developed the lunar rover. Stop! Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And after after we uh, after we had our uh, interview on the radio, uh, we would call each other. I would say maybe like a year and a half until he started getting uh, sick oh. and uh, we would talk like once a month and uh, one day I asked him I says how come you never put tires on the uh, the lunar rotary he says well back then they didn't know how deep the you know if the moon was solid rock or it was like baby powder mm-hmm. okay and he goes plus tires would explode with the pressure. Mm-hmm. So they said, let's, let's do something like piano wire. So the soil goes inside the wheel and it sifts around, but it, it comes out and it's able to ride on top. I'm like, that, to me, that's just amazing. And he goes, you know what? You can go to the moon now and jumpstart a lunar rover and it will work. This is providing the, and he goes like this. He goes, providing the aliens haven't stolen the <laughs> <That's just> stolen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. Uh, that wow. is, right. yeah, that's right. I remember you talking about that, and uh, yeah, I mean, and, and that's something that you don't learn in in class. Uh, and to think that no. you know, so, somebody had to think, okay, so if we send this vehicle up to the moon, uh, how's it, yeah. uh, how's the propulsion? Okay, we know that it'll, but how will you know? Will it be in you know rock, or will it in fact be in twelve inches of? Just, well, sure. Yeah, they, they didn't know. They, they did not know. 
Yeah. And I'll, I'll take um, you one, one more. They also had to, they don't show you how they assembled it and how they packaged it. Because most of those things had to fit onto the little, I mean, you think the a telephone booth is about a, a command module. Mm-hmm. They're not big. We had the Apollo 13 command module here until the movie came out, and then they moved it to the Air and Space Museum. So we actually had that capsule here in Louisville at one of our museums. And the lunar module, it's not that big. You have two people in it. Yeah, right. Yeah. To get dressed and whatnot. The thing that I, I've never seen this, I should probably read, look it up. How they, how did they package that lunar rover onto the uh, the, the lander? Because they had to take the thing out, unpackage it, put it together. Yeah. And the fact well, that it, and it had to be done, and it had to be done by two people. And it's funny that you say this. We had a discussion, and uh, they first worked with a, a golf cart. Mm-hmm. And then from there, because a golf cart can fit two people, right? Right. So at least you get the frame, and then they got to do the math uh, because it's like well, you got two men with bulky spacesuits, and they got to take this electric vehicle out of uh, out of the mothership, the limp, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And it was never done. <laughs> it was never done. So now these guys have to think of it. I think it was. I think the technology is crazy. You know, it's like now it's like you got more computer power on your telephone than they had in the Apollo and missions. The, that's and right. That this, yeah, and that's crazy. And that's pre-calculators, kids. That yeah. that's slide rules. That's that's just knowing math. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> that's rooms of people doing calculations and then double checking the math on against a other people with chalk. <laughs> Lots of pencils, lots well, yes. of erasers. Uh, it's yeah. and that took you to the moon, so it makes you wonder what's going on today. Yeah, and but that's another story. Yeah, well, that's another story. <laughs> you know, it, it's like this: the robots are going to take over eventually. You know, and uh, well, now you got to be prepared. You know, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. What's some of the what's some of your more uh, when you look back at at previous work? What are some uh, like your top? three top five uh, pieces that you put together that you're like, I really like people to look at this. <laughs> uh, um, well, there was uh, back in 2008, I was, uh, when I lived in Connecticut, um, I went to the uh, Fairfield County Concourse to Elegance in uh, Westport, Connecticut. And uh, I love Art Deco. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just a it's a beautiful design, and um, and I see this car, and it's it's a nineteen nineteen thirty seven, one thirty five M Roadster Delahaye, and I'm like, wow, this is great, and and I loved it so much, I illustrated it for myself, and um, the car was owned at that time by Mr. Malcolm Prey. Mm-hmm of Greenwich, Connecticut. This car is just beautiful. There's no wheel wells cut out in the, in the body because it's all one solid line. Uh, the wheels are inset. Oh, wow. So, uh, the body's just resting over the wheels. So as a viewer in the street, you would just see half a wheel on all fours. Oh, wow. Beautiful oh. car, beautiful car. And, um, uh, Mr. Prey's daughter, uh, Lily Prey, had seen this. I had posted it, and um, and she's now one of my favorite fans. Oh, <laughs> so, that's fantastic! You know, that cool. Right. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it's like every car has a story. This, this car, Malcolm Prey had seen this uh, Roadster at the 1930 uh, New York 1939 uh, World's Fair, mm-hmm. and he says, "I got to have one of these." And he ended up buying it. And he, he ended up buying this car back in the 60s where where it was like, I think he paid like five uh, $5,000, which in 1960 oh, wow. was a lot of money for a car. Right. Uh, but it recently sold, I think it was uh, like $6 million. Wow. This car just sold for yeah. The minute you were saying, uh, here's what it sold for, I was going to say, let's start the drum roll because right. this is this. Yeah. <laughs> Right. <laughs> that. Yeah. I mean, you're, and I mean, to think of how many survivors would be even be around. 
the to, today, uh, especially with that that can't be a, a large number build when they made them to begin with. And when they made those no, cars I back mean, then, they made them custom to whoever ordered it. Right. What do you want on it? Right. You know what? You know what happens to a car? Um, the uh, the person that brings uh, this word to light, uh, barn find, is uh, Wayne Carini. And uh, you know, it's like the stories that go behind these cars that are found um, in old garages or underneath houses or whatever. You know. Um, it was they found uh, when I lived in Connecticut. They found this 1928 uh, Cadillac, and it was in the it was in the basement part of a barn, oh, and geez. it was in the, and the person who found it was the uh, the company that was tearing down the the house, and this was owned by uh, uh, very wealthy people at the time, and uh, what happened is like back in the uh, during the depression. In the bigger cities, if someone saw you with a Cadillac or a LaSalle, uh, they would throw rocks and bottles at you because it's like, well, I have nothing and you're riding around with this luxury. So what they would do is Mm -hmm. they would park these cars in in a basement or a barn. They'd throw a tarp on it. And then you know how it is in your own garage. You start throwing other crap Crap, on top of it. And it, and then it's forgotten about. Well, you, this is you know, what happened. I, I never, never would have thought about that, but I can see it. I can see it. And yep. huh? Wow. And, and now I'm sure. Now you, I'm sure you're familiar with Wayne being uh, having lived up in the Connecticut area where he, where he roams. He he was. We were, we were blessed to have him as a guest on our show uh, a little while back. Um, so we've got the 1937 Delahaye. It, let's see. I was trying to think of any other cars that you've done that were that stand out to you as these are my favorites. This is my favorite. Oh, um, <laughs> sure. Uh, I have a, a client of mine has a, a 27 Model T, and it was the last year Model Ts were made. Oh, wow. And uh, it was a convertible. Mm-hmm. And uh, the color was like a, a deep, a very deep red with black fenders. Beautiful car. Mm-hmm. And... Um, scared the hell out of me driving around because it's like it has uh the model t's have a very shallow seat mm-hmm. so you know you're you're making a turn at 10 miles an hour but you feel like you're going to fly out of the car <laughs> yep you know, <laughs> you know? yep that's I, right a, a good friend of mine has since uh geez it's through the family but he has a model t and i over the years when he I, he drove the thing to high school a couple times just because we had it, and he knew how to work it. He he took it apart, put it back together, had a Model A speed roadster. And the times that I rode in that were um, limited because I did. I, I think I rode in it two times because I didn't want to ride in it a third. Mm-hmm. Just because when he would take a turn, and you're absolutely right, it's like you're sitting on the top of a. Uh, with a bunk bench on the top of like I could imagine a stagecoach. There's yeah. not a seatbelt. Yeah, right. And it, yeah. you could, it's there's not much to it. Right. And if you think th- those doors, you're not leaning on the door. Yeah. Don't, don't, <laughs> yeah. Don't know the integrity of the striker, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it definitely lets you feel all. I think a ten speed would probably be feel more safe taking a turn than a Model T. But uh, oh, that, sure. You know. Well, you, you have to think it's uh, back then the speed limit was um, God, what, 10 miles an hour, 15 miles an hour, right, you know? Right. Okay, I got a bonus round question for you. Oh, you okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So it's, uh, I always, you know, you always find these useless pieces of information, but it's like, wow, it's great for storytelling. Mm-hmm. So why did they have, Headlights on automobiles back in the day. We're talking, you know, 1900, 1902, 1905, and then so forth and so forth. Right now, Jason's 
automotive encyclopedia brain. It, it, there's there's like teletypes going off. There's right. some tape machines spinning in the back at NASA <laughs> whirling up. Right. Yeah. And he and, is working on this. And uh, as he's looking at he, his headlight, antique headlight alignment tool that's sitting here right. in the corner behind me. Well, <laughs> did, didn't they use, uh, and Joe, you, you'll you'll correct me here, but I'm thinking, uh, did, and this, is, this isn't part of your question and answer to it, uh, but the headlights back then, they were actually – they weren't candle, but they 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 were fueled by um, um, dreams and imagination. No, but <laughs> but, but weren't weren't they weren't electric? Is what I'm trying to say. Gas, kerosene. No, they were gas. They were gas. They were. They gas. were gas. Okay. So, and your question is, why did they have headlights back in 1900 when when you yeah. have 10 mile an hour cars? Um, you know, I was just, I mean, back, obviously roads weren't exactly paved back then, I don't think. So you might have tried to make sure you weren't going to fall off a 10-foot cliff. See, I've got something uh, even more okay. abstract. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. No. I'm going to say it has something okay. to do with horses. That, does, that So horses could see it coming. It didn't scare a horse. Oh, there you go. That's a nice one. Well, that's, well, yeah, I, I would say, yeah, that's, that out of everything, that's very close. It was basically so that. Since you're on a street, you could be seen. So, so you could be seen. Not, not that, not that it's supposed to help you see. It's so that you can be seen. You could be ah, seen. Okay. Right. right. All right. Okay. Well, there you go. Because those we, uh, I have a friend here in uh, Wilmington, and they have a uh, 1912 uh, Cadillac, and that was the first year where it was a, an electric start, an electric, an electric lights. And if you look at any of the brass era cars, uh, the glass is always clear. Mm-hmm. Okay. When electric came about, and please anybody, correct me if I'm wrong, they start putting bevels in the in the glass because just like in a lighthouse, when the light goes through, it makes it brighter. So mm-hmm. now you can see further. Totally makes sense. Wow. You just changed. Well, it makes sense because engineering wise, you've changed the functionality of the light yes you're going to see the car but now you're actually throwing illumination down there yeah right, that's so cool yeah the electric go. the electric starter that's a that was also a giant game changer on there because you have to come out and crank start right the car and if you're by yourself yep make sure you have it out of gear yeah oh it just it's it's one of these things where if you you look at a car from um 1939, right? Aerodynamic, say it's a Chevrolet or a Chrysler. And it's all aerodynamic. It's Art Deco. It looks it looks like Buck Rogers' uh, ray gun, mm-hmm. okay? But <laughs> right. you think 30, right. 39 years, minus 39 years, you're back to, what, 1901, 1900? Mm-hmm. And it was a, a horse and a buggy, and it's like the technology in that 39 years, is it's phenomenal. Right. You know? Right. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. So it's like you go from horse and wagon, like Studebaker. Studebaker started off making uh, wagons, mm-hmm. wooden wagons. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've seen ads from the uh, 18, I think 1860s. And then they just went into uh, automobiles in the 20th century. Wow. But yeah, yeah. That's, that's, but it's like uh, just incredible. Um I uh, I have a friend, um, and he owns oh what the heck is it? Uh, it's called the Black Beauty race car, and this is it was the world champion in 1909, and top speed was like 90 miles an hour in 1909. That yeah. had to be that right. had to be ludicrous. Yes, you know. Yes. Yep. Yep. Well, it, because of what what road is out there at that time? Well, you, you have that, but you also have you don't have the um the technology of the tires that, you know, the tires back in 1909, the, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, uh, is that they were, I mean, they were thin. The aspect ratio was you had a tall sidewall and, and thin, uh, thin tire. Am I right? Back in. Yes. The, yeah. So, I mean, the, the, uh, the gripping, um, of a car going 90 miles an hour in 19. Oh, now with the tires that they had, that was, that was, that would be kind of crazy. Yeah. No, the um, right. well, uh, the tires huh. didn't have a grip. They, they didn't have a grip. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, right. Yeah. And um, 
So now it's, and those cars were basically meant for your, so you look at older downtowns and older downtowns, the streets are narrower because that's the way it was all set up in the colonial times. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now you get a downtown and um, a majority of it's all cobblestone and you have trolley car tracks. Mm -hmm. Well, those cars will stay on that, but that car can't go into the country uh, um, because it's unpaved roads, because right. it'll get it'll get stuck in the mud or right. or whatever was out there back then. Yeah, wow. But uh, yeah, tires and all that other fun stuff. Oh yeah. Well, Joe, we're approaching forty minutes on this already, and it seems like it's been five. And so we've got two more quick questions for you here. Quick questions. Is this the bonus round? Well, well, no, well, uh, no we, this isn't the bonus yeah, round. Yeah, well, my question is not the bonus round, but Eric's <laughs> definitely is. And yeah. I, I may have preluded you to that when we spoke a few weeks ago. But uh, just real quick, uh, I mean, your, your, your career and the time you've done this has just been extremely, A, rewarding, and B, fascinating, and C, fun, I'm sure. Uh, what? Yeah. Just real quick, what what have you found most challenging um, with what you do? What 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 What's the most challenging part of your job challenging let's see challenging well good you know it's like when you do a business like this it's like you're always sticking to deadlines Mm -hmm. and that's uh, Mm -hmm. and that's something i i is paramount my business because it's a uh project's going to start on this date i got you it's going to end on this date and so that that always comes easy but the um, nowadays it's producing what the client wants because now, and thank God all my work is in vector. um, The uh, getting things printed when they want it, shipping costs, you know, everything, everything's going up. So now it's like with the way of the world, it's like there's new challenges where shipping used to be, it was always expensive, but not as expensive as it is. Uh, so, you know, you got to find alternative ways. Like I have a, a new client of mine out in, um, out in the Chicago area. And when you walk into their restaurant, it has all my illustrations. Okay. Beautiful. So he wanted, he wanted two foot by three foot illustrations to be framed. And, um, the cost from having it done here in uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, and then shipping it all out is like, it just knocks mm-hmm. the project right out of the ballpark. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So what we did was we had the prints made. I found a good printer out in Chicago and they printed it. And then um, I'll be out there in uh, the summertime and I'll be signing these. So it's like, they make it like an event. We'll make it like an event thing. But I'm always looking for ways to uh, save my clients money mm-hmm. uh, because of, uh, you know, everybody's on a budget. Well, of course. And if yeah. you can bring it in a little bit cheaper, yeah. why not? I you got know? you. I got you. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. And, and I, I guess this is the question that I have asked. <clears throat> Excuse me. Every guest that has been on our show, I've asked it to Wayne Carini where he actually uh, for a, paused for a second and said, Really? And I thought, well, he's either going to answer the question or he's going to hang up on us. Okay. And he had a okay. great time with it. it. It took the show into another direction. Uh, Mario Andretti, uh, all of our guests. And here we go. Okay. When you took your driver's test for your driver's license, what car did you drive? Oh, that's easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's easy. It was a um, 10 BC Roman chariot um, given to me by... Uh, <laughs> Julius Caesar, he says, he was says it, was it... listen, kid, it corners a little bit tight, but don't worry about that rear wheel falling off. Right. Uh, that, it, it, okay. Now, was it, was it Stallion or was it uh, Clydesdale hey, driven? No, Cl- Clydesdale's too slow, right. too slow. Oh, you know, you nice. want a good thoroughbred. Okay. I didn't know if it was I'll built answer, for speed I'll or built for power. <laughs> Crack the zip, crack the zip. <laughs> All right, so this is what I had. So the story starts in uh, June of 1966. My father buys a brand new 
1966 Mercury Monterey two-door. Okay, right, right. 390 two-barrel has a vinyl roof, and they didn't have the technology to, for a solid roof, so the seam would always run over the driver's side. Huh. And that was only on one side. It wasn't on the other side to make it look even. I see. But okay. I, thought, I thought it was great. Color was metallic maroon with black. I don't know if the seats were leather or uh, pleather or plastic or whatever they used back then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, that car in 1971, my father says, you want to buy my car? And I said, yeah, I'd love that car. Oh, and the car came with red walls, pinstripe red walls. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, right. <laughs> so dad paid uh, $2,875 for that car, $2,800. Right. And I paid $350 for that car. And I had it all the way up to 1974. Oh, and uh, the, the reason why I got rid of got rid of it was that the transmission was giving me problems and I bought a Mustang guys always hated this car. I bought a brand new 74 Mustang too. Oh, right. 1974. Okay. Right. But we won't, we won't, we won't talk about it. <laughs> right. but the Mercury, the Mercury was what a beautiful riding car. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and when you would wash it up, from the the winter uh, snows and everything, right? Man, that real it really it really shined. Wow. That that maroon that maroon paint really picked up. And, and so, but, and I've never and I've never illustrated that car. So, well, now now you've got an idea, don't you? <laughs> well, it, it's it's like it's like this: paid jobs come first. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, right, right. No, I understand. Idea, yeah. Yeah, uh, of course. And, uh, and it's good to have an idea. Yeah, it's always, <laughs> it's always great to have an idea. Hey, well, well it, definitely. oh, definitely. that You got to have ideas. It's, right, uh, right. <laughs> but, um, and, and that's what makes, that's what makes uh, people special, you know. It's, uh, uh, you always got to be thinking what's next. It's like with this technology that's going on nowadays, it's, you know, sooner or later, uh, the LinkedIn's of the world and the, the Facebook's and the Instagram's, they'll all close their doors and something else will pop up. But, mm-hmm. And that's what you got to start thinking. It's like, what's right. the next thing what, down the yep. track, you know? Yep. And, it's being thought of. And I was going to say, I have no more questions for you, but I did think of one while you were talking about that, how everything kind of right. comes around. Well, on, when it comes to doing the design and what you're saying, what, what you're working on and what people are looking at, do you see possibly with everything seems to be what the what people wear 20 years ago is now coming back into style yeah. do you see where where some where, where you would see uh illustrators like yourself that would benefit because you've you've seen the different uh, eras of automotive illustrations yeah being yeah. able to have that advantage by saying I can show you something that you probably haven't seen because unless you are your uncle's age or your father's age or your grandfather's age, that'll knock your socks off, but nobody's doing it right now. It's, you know, uh, my son asked me, it's like, dad, how come you never kept your toys when you were a kid? And I said, well, back in 1960, you didn't think, well, you know, in the year 2023, this is going to be worth a lot of money, right. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody knew that baseball cards, you know, it's like we all had the Willie Mays and we all had the Mickey Mantles and then you go to college and then your baseball cards disappear. You know, mom's cleaned the room. Oh no. Right. What are we right. Do? You know? <laughs> um, but like with design, it's what's really great with uh, social media is you see tons of talented people and they'll post their work. And then that gives you ideas as to, well, you know, that's a fresh, that's a fresh idea. And then what you do is you, you look at it and it's like, well, how can I make this even more dynamic, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. And then you just try to remember what you've seen out there. But it's like, as a designer, you can't be, you can't be doing stuff that was popular 20 years ago. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Unless it's in fashion. You know, right, right. 
but it's like you always want something fresh. Um, and the thing is, it's like with these designers that are coming up and with this artificial intelligence stuff, this is this is a whole new whole new thing. CBS Sunday Morning had a very good uh, editorial this morning on this, and uh, they had this AI program that can take writing. So if you want to write like William Shakespeare, it will come out like William Shakespeare. It's amazing. It is. But it's frightening. It's frightening. Right, right. Yeah. No. Because it's, uh, if you get, if you get a person alone away from AI, they won't, they can't talk. They They won't know what they're saying. They need the help of the AI create this manuscript. It's really something. Kind of it's dumbs creepy. down the abilities. Right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> wow. But not for this crew. No. Heavens no. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Joe. Added, Robots. Uh, yeah. It, it, <laughs> hey, listen, this has been an absolute fantastic uh, uh, opportunity to speak with you tonight. And thank you so much for your time here. Really. it's uh, It's been very, very uh, enjoyable and uh, to, to hear your background and and uh, you know it's just uh, you know not everybody has that ability and and you've been able to uh, make a career out of it and we applaud that for sure. So, well, we try, oh, we yeah. try. Sure, just, just put your donations in the cup when you walk. <laughs> All right. Out, okay? Well, <laughs> which, which leads me, where where can our listening audience find you? Actually, well, you can find me on uh, Every Car Has a Story on Instagram. That's every car has a story. And uh, just look for Joe Pep, and that's me. Friend me. You have any any great stories? Love to hear them. You know, it's sure. uh, it was you know it is fun. You know, it's uh, to me. I always said to people, take your kids to a car show. It's an outdoor history lesson on four wheels. Well, it really and is. It, Great point. You know, and yeah. it's and it's great family time. If you know, if you go with your dad or your mom mm-hmm. or the whole family, you know, it's it's time spent together experiencing something new. And if you don't like it, hey, go fly a kite somewhere. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. No, that's exactly right. Well, well, we certainly appreciate your time with us tonight, and, and absolutely always welcome you to come back and and visit us on the show, and because I'm sure we've only scratched the surface of oh. Joe of Joe's world. Oh, oh yeah, that's right, that's right. It's the adventures. It's the adventures of Illustrator Man. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, it's yeah. Well, it was a pleasure, but yeah, thank it, you so very oh, much. Well, yeah, yeah, well. We certainly appreciate your time, and uh, thank you for listening, and happy motoring from your friends here at the Classic Car Corner Podcast. Mm-hmm.